decidedly Christian, distinctly biblical, and just a little bit nuts. This is Squirrel Chatter. And welcome to the Piney Woods, ladies and gentlemen. I am your squirrel, the host, coming to you from the ARN studios, high atop the tallest tree in the Piney Woods. Good to have you with us. It is Wednesday, October 26th, 2022. And as I look into that bright ring light next to the camera, I realize I really need to clean these glasses. It's amazing what a little bright light will show up on the lens in front of your eyes, like looking through a fog. But we're here. It's Wednesday. we got squirrel chatter ahead of us today. We're halfway through the week, halfway through week number 43 of reading through the Bible in the Legacy Standard Bible Translation this year. We're coming down to the final stretch. We're coming down to the final stretch of the, of the year. We're a week away from Reformation Sunday slash Halloween. We've got... Uh, the election coming up two weeks from yesterday, then Thanksgiving, then Christmas, and then 2022 will be over, and there will be much rejoicing. But, of course, one week from yesterday is the midterm election. That means one week from today, the 2024 presidential election starts. Oh, you know, I... I I appreciate our democratic republic. I appreciate the fact that we have elections and and uh, that, that, that these elections have for over 200 years preserved liberty to a greater or lesser extent in the United States. But there are times when it would just be nice not to have an election I'm not saying that because I don't want politicians held accountable. It's just I get so sick of the ads, and I get so sick of the 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 stuff. <laughs> the stuff. We'll just say that, and and I'm sure you do too. And and apparently a lot of people do because it gets a lot of remarks on. Uh, I, I talk to people and oh, I just can't wait for the election to be over so I can quit getting all these ads. And what is with the text messages? I'm getting text messages and emails constantly from parties and politicians. And it's just like, okay, the emails, fine. The mailers in my mailbox, not a problem. Stop texting me. My phone is mine. I don't want your stupid political stuff on my phone all the time. And so I block a lot of numbers. You know, hope, but, the, but it seems like they're doing number spoofing because it's coming in from all different numbers. Some of them in Montana, some of them in Idaho. You know, it's all coming out of some call center in Cleveland or something. And if it's even in the United States, it might be Beijing for all that, you know. Get tired of it. Stop texting me. Listen, I, 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 would, I would just about pay real money to some hacker to break into the call center computers and delete my information. That would be worth it. That would be a white hat hacker, I tell you. Mm. Still working my way through this bag of Herb House House blend coffee. It is so good. Mm. And this is my cessationist coffee mug. I never have turned it around. I've been drinking out of this all week. This is my cessationist coffee mug for the upcoming documentary. And then looking forward to that. Um, got a t-shirt around here somewhere too. So anyway. All right. Our... Uh, well, Squirrel Chatter is a podcast that is primarily dedicated to the public reading of Scripture and secondarily to my thoughts on various topics of the day, some of which you've already received, as we talk about political text messages. I, I, I honestly think that, that there is a lower circle of hell for the inventor 
of the marketing text message, because it's not just politics. I get text messages from people wanting to sell me stuff. There's a lower circle of hell for those people than even the person who invented the telemarketing. I, I, I would rather get a telemarketing phone call than a text message. I, I, I just, it, it bugs me, probably because text messaging is one of my primary means of communication. So when I, every time I get a text message, I check it. Whereas the phone will often go to voicemail, um, usually because it's silenced. Um, but text messages I keep up with because that's how, you know, I communicate with my wife, my daughter. Um, I'm not someone who enjoys talking on the phone. <laughs> so uh, I, I like text messages. Um, as in my opinion, communications devices, phones and text messages are primarily for short factual information transfer. <laughs> Where are we meeting? Where do you want to have lunch? What time? That's the perfect avenue for communication by phone or text. Um, and of course, phones are nice for keeping in touch with people that are far flung across the country. But anymore, I use, you know, FaceTime or Zoom to, to actually talk to somebody. Um, which is much much more akin to sitting down and talking face-to-face. -face. So, yeah. Me and communications. I've never really liked hanging on the phone. Uh, I, I, it's it's one of those things that, you know, I'll make two or three phone calls a day, and I'll talk to somebody. I mean, you know, if I get a call from a friend, it's not like I'm going to hang up on you, especially if there's actually a purpose to the call. I'm not a just-chatter person. I don't like to just chat in person or I want, if we're going to talk, let's talk about something mm. like good coffee from Herb's house coffee, Herb's house cat, uh, house blend. You can get it on uh, Amazon or you can dry, order it directly from Herb's house coffee and company in Dallas, Texas, who are not a sponsor of this show, but perhaps should be, you know, the trouble is, if I had coffee sponsors, I'd have to have like two or three of them. I'd have to have like a coffee sponsor of the week because I drink different coffee. I'd have to have co I'd have to have Herb's House sponsor me. I'd have to have Montana Coffee Traders sponsor me. I'd have to have Deathwish Coffee sponsor me. I'd have to have uh, uh, City Brew Coffee sponsor me. <laughs> and I don't know if any of them would be willing to share a sponsorship. <laughs> yeah, today's episode is brought to you by, but you know, you think about it, you watch a major TV show, you might see ads for a Honda, a Toyota, and a Chevy and a Ford all in the same show. So maybe they'll, maybe they'd go for that. If you know any of these people at any of these coffee companies, please let them know that I'm considering seriously having a coffee sponsor. All I want is free coffee. That's all they need to do. Send me a bag of coffee a month. I'll talk to talk about them. Heck, I talk about them anyway. All right. So our scripture reading today, as we continue to make our way through the Legacy Standard Bible, we will be reading Ezekiel 7 and 9 and then John chapter 3. Now, yesterday in Ezekiel, uh, um, you've probably, you've heard of Ezekiel bread. You've seen it in the stores and and it always has the is it Ezekiel four seven? See now I'm gonna mess up. I'm gonna pull up my, my Bible software and I'm gonna scroll back a couple of chapters, which will mess me up for today, but we'll get there. Ezekiel four seven. Yeah, four nine. Ezekiel four nine. It gives this bread recipe that Ezekiel was supposed to make this bread. And you can buy Ezekiel bread in stores. The only bread whose recipe is in the Bible, and it's got to be like this divine health food and all this, that, and the other thing. Most people don't go back and look at the passage where that's found. Let's do that for a moment. 
Okay. In chapter 4, he is told to picture the siege of Jerusalem. Now, Ezekiel had been exported um, with exported, exiled, taken to Babylon prior to the destruction of Jerusalem. Daniel had gone in the first wave of deportations. Ezekiel went in the second wave. So Daniel went in 605, and I think Ezekiel went about 602, 603. And then in 586, and remember, we're talking about B.C., so lower numbers is later. Um, we're, we count backwards in B.C. So in about, you know, in 586 B.C., Babylon destroys Jerusalem. thing is that the, the people they left in Jerusalem kept revolting until finally Nebuchadnezzar had had enough and he levels the city, burns the temple, all of that stuff. That happened in 586. So prior to that happening, Ezekiel is already in Babylon. So in Babylon, God had two prophets. He had Daniel working in the government. And he had Ezekiel living with the refugees, living with the Israelites who had been deported to Babylon. The, the, so Ezekiel here in chapter 4 is prophesying of the coming destruction of Jerusalem. And Jerusalem was a fortified city. And, you know, they didn't have airplanes, they didn't have bombs, they didn't have parachutes. The only way to get into a city is to go through the walls. And so it takes time to bust open a gate. That's why the gatehouses are the strongest parts of the wall. Um, or to tear down the walls, to, to make a breach in the walls, took time. They didn't have gunpowder, they didn't have cannons. It all had to be done, you know, basically by hand. Um, and, you know, battering rams, that sort of thing. So a siege, even, even when the outcome was fairly obvious, sieges took time. And when a city is under siege, you cannot get food into the city because, you know, so even today, if you cut off New York City from all outside transportation, no ships, no trucks, no nothing, there's about three or four days worth of food in New York City for all of those people before they would run out of food and within a couple of weeks they'd be starving. And you know, same thing with any big city, Chicago, LA, Atlanta, cities don't produce food. It is farms in the countryside that produce food and you have to get the food from the farms to the city. And if you cut off a city, you cut off the flow of food. Now, Jerusalem had water um, because there were, there were wells that were accessible via tunnels in the city. Um, some of those tunnels are still in existence, and there's, there's, you, know, you can actually walk through Hezekiah's tunnel. I think you're knee-deep in water or waist-deep in water. You can walk the length of it, and that was how one of the ways that Jerusalem got water during a siege, but you couldn't get food. And without food, you got problems. So Ezekiel 4.9, when Ezekiel is told to make this bread, the bread is made up of a little bit of everything because it's made up of what would have been the dregs in the bottom of grain containers after the food was running out. So it was a mix of wheat, barley, beans, lentils, millet, and spelt. This was not a health food recipe. 
this was making a loaf of bread out of remnants of grain storage. These are things that would not normally be mixed together. And he made the bread, and then he said, you know, you have to cook it over human dung. Ezekiel objected to that, and God said, okay, you can use cow dung. Again, fuel. Cities don't have a lot of trees. So without, with the city being under siege, you couldn't get firewood delivered into the city. And so he's cooking it over dried dung. And then he's given a weight, 20 shekels a day by weight. And water, a sixth part of a hen by measure. Eating by weight and drinking by measure was a picture of rationing. And indeed, it's starvation rations. So, Ezekiel 4.9 is nothing to do with health food and nothing to do with anything that, that uh, uh, you know. So, when you see Ezekiel 4.9 bread in the store... Just know it's somebody's marketing gimmick. This is not a divine health food. <laughs> it was a picture of living on starvation rations during a siege as Ezekiel was prophesying on the fall of Jerusalem. Okay, so we're reading Ezekiel 7 to 9 today and John chapter 3 today. And then I want to talk a little bit about the election to come in a couple of weeks. Um, I think there's some things we need to look at and talk about coming up. So is there a red wave coming? That's the question. And what would that mean? Um, all right. So let us begin, as is our practice, with the prayer of confession from the 1552 Book of Common Prayer. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from thy ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against thy holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done, and there is no health in us. But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us, miserable offenders. Spare thou them, O God, which confess their faults. Restore thou them that are penitent, according to thy promises declared unto mankind in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may hereafter live a godly, righteous, and sober life to the glory of thy holy name. Amen. And now our prayer for the reading of the word. Blessed Lord, who hast caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant that we may in such wise hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and comfort of thy holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which thou hast given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, Ezekiel chapter 7. Moreover, the word of Yahweh came to me, saying, Now as for you, son of man, thus says Yahweh to the land of Israel, An end, an end is coming on the four corners of the earth. Now the end is upon you, and I will send my anger against you. I will judge you according to your ways and put all your abominations upon you. For my eye will have no pity on you, nor will I spare you, but I will put your ways upon you, and your abominations will be among you, and you will know that I am Yahweh. Thus says Yahweh, a calamitous evil, a unique calamitous evil. Behold, it is coming. An end has come. The end has come. It has awakened against you. Behold, it is coming. Your doom has come to you, O inhabitants of the land. The time has come. The day is near. Confusion rather than joyful shouting on the mountains. Now it is near when I will pour out my wrath on you and spend my anger against you and judge you according to your ways and put on you all your abominations. My eye will show no pity, nor will I spare, 
I will give to you according to your ways while your abominations were among you. Then you will know that I, Yahweh, do the striking. Behold the day. Behold, it is coming. Your doom has gone forth. The rod has blossomed. Arrogance has budded. Violence has grown into a rod of wickedness. None of them shall remain. None of their multitude, none of their moaning, nor anything imminent among them. The time has come. The day has arrived. Let not the buyer be glad, nor the seller mourn, for wrath is against all their multitude. Indeed, the seller will not return to himself what he sold as long as they both live. For the vision regarding all the multitude will not return empty, nor will any of them strengthen his life by his iniquity. They have blown the trumpet and made everything ready, but no one is going to battle, for my wrath is against all their multitude. The sword is outside. The plague and the famine are inside. He who is in the field will die by the sword. Famine and the plague will also devour these in the city. Even when their survivors escape, they will be on the mountains like doves of the valley, all of them moaning, each over his own iniquity. All hands will hang limp and all knees will become like water. They will gird themselves with sackcloth and horror will cover them. And shame will be on all faces and baldness on all their heads. They will throw their silver into the streets and their gold will become an impure thing. Their silver and their gold will not be able to deliver them in the day of the fury of Yahweh. They cannot satisfy their soul, nor can they fill their stomachs. For their iniquity has become an occasion of stumbling. They transformed the beauty of his ornaments into pride, and they made the images of their abominations and their detestable things with it. Therefore I will make it an impure thing to them. I will give it into the hands of the foreigners as plunder, and to the wicked of the earth as spoil, and they will profane it. I will also turn my face from them, and they will profane my secret place. Then robbers will enter and profane it. Make the chain, for the land is full of judgments that promote bloodshed, and the city is full of violence. Therefore I will bring the most evil of the nations, and they will possess their houses. I will also make the pride of the strong ones cease, and their holy places will be profaned. Anguish has come, and they will seek peace, but there will be none. Disaster will come upon disaster, and report will be added to report. Then they will seek a vision from a prophet, but the law will be lost from the, from the priest and counsel from the elders. The king will mourn, the prince will be clothed with desolation, and the hands of the people of the land will be dismayed. According to their ways I will deal with them, and by their judgments I will judge them, and they will know that I am Yahweh. Now it happened in the sixth year, on the fifth day of the sixth month, as I was sitting in my house with the elders of Judah sitting before me, that the hand of the Lord Yahweh fell on me there. Then I looked, and behold, a likeness as the appearance of one on fire. From his loins and downward there was the appearance of fire, and from his loins and upward the appearance of brightness, like the gleam of glowing metal. He sent forth the form of a hand and took me by the lock of my head, and the Spirit lifted me up between earth and heaven, and brought me in the visions of God to Jerusalem, to the entrance of the north gate of the inner court, where the seat of the figure of jealousy which provoked to jealousy was located. And behold, the glory of the God of Israel was there like the appearance which I saw in the plain. Then he said to me, Son of man, raise your eyes now toward the north. So I raised my eyes toward the north, and behold, to the north of the altar gate was this figure of jealousy at the entrance. And he said to me, Son of man, are you seeing what they are doing, the great abominations which the house of Israel is doing here, so that I would be far from my sanctuary? But yet you will see still greater abominations. Then he brought me to the entrance of the court, and when I looked, behold, a hole in the wall. And he said to me, Son of man, now dig through the wall. So I dug through the wall, and behold, an entrance. And he said to me, Go in and see the evil abominations that they are doing here. So I entered and looked, and behold, every form of creeping things and beasts and detestable things with all the idols of the house of Israel were carved on the wall all around. Standing in front of them were seventy elders of the house of Israel, with 
Jaazaniah, Jaazaniah, the son of Shephan, standing among them, each man with his censer in his hand and the fragrance of the cloud of incense rising. Then he said to me, Son of man, do you see what the elders of the house of Israel are doing in the dark, each man in the room of his own carvings, each man in the room of his carved images? For they said, Yahweh does not see us. Yahweh has forsaken the land. And he said to me, Yet you will see still greater abominations which they are doing. Then he brought me to the entrance of the, of the gate of the house of Yahweh, which was toward the north. And behold, women were sitting there weeping for Tammuz. He said to me, Do you see this, son of man? Yet you will see still greater abominations than these. Then he brought me into the inner court of the house of Yahweh. And behold, at the entrance to the temple of Yahweh, between the porch and the altar, were about twenty-five men with their backs to the temple of Yahweh and their faces toward the east, and they were prostrating themselves eastward toward the sun. He said to me, Do you see this, son of man? Is it too light a thing for the house of Judah to do the abominations which they have done here, that they have filled the land with violence and provoked me to anger still more? For behold, they are sending forth the twig to their nose. Therefore, I also will do this in wrath. My eye will have no pity, nor will I spare, and they will cry in my ears with a loud voice, yet I will not listen to them. Chapter 9. Then he cried out in my hearing with a loud voice, saying, Draw near, O executioners of the city, each with his destroying weapon in his hand. And behold, six men were coming from the direction of the upper gates, which faced north, each with his shattering weapon in his hand. And among them was a certain man clothed in linen, with a scribe's case in his loins. And they went in and stood beside the bronze altar. Then the glory of the God of Israel went up from the cherub on which it had been to the threshold of the house of Yahweh. And he called to the man clothed in linen at whose loins was the scribe's case. Yahweh said to him, Go through the midst of the city, even through the midst of Jerusalem, and put a mark on the foreheads of the men who sigh and groan over all the abominations which are being done in its midst. But to the others he said in my hearing, Go through the city after him and strike. Do not let your eye have pity, and do not spare. Kill to utter destruction old men, chosen men, virgins, little ones, and women. But do not touch any man on whom is the mark, and you shall start from my sanctuary. So they started with the elders who were before the house. And he said to them, Defile the house, and fill the courts with the slain. Go out. Thus they went out and struck down the people in the city. Now it happened... As they were striking the people, and I alone remained, that I fell on my face and cried out and said, Alas, Lord Yahweh, are you destroying the whole remnant of Israel by pouring out your wrath on Jerusalem? Then he said to me, The iniquity of the house of Israel and Judah is very, very great, and the land is filled with bloodshed, and the city is full of perversions, for they say Yahweh has forsaken the land, and Yahweh does not see. But as for me... My eye will have no pity, nor will I spare, but I will put their way upon their heads. Then behold, the man clothed in linen at whose loins was the scribe's case responded with a word, saying, I have done just as you have commanded me. Then I looked, and behold, in the expanse that was over the heads of the cherubim, something like a sapphire stone, in appearance and the likeness of a throne appeared above them. And he spoke to the man clothed in linen and said, Enter between the whirling wheels under the cherubim and fill your hands with coals of fire from between the cherubim and scatter them over the city. And he entered in my sight. This is the word of the Lord. John chapter 3. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one could do these signs that you do unless God was with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? 
Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which, is born, that which has been born of flesh is flesh, and that which has been born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who has been born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to them, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness of what we have seen, and you do not accept our witness. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? And no one has ascended into heaven, but he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believes will in him have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world, and men love the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light, and does not come to the light lest his deeds be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to the light, so that his deeds may be manifested as having been done by God. After these things, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea, and there he was spending time with them and baptizing. And John also was baptizing in Anon near Salem, because there was much water there, and people were coming and being baptized, for John had not yet been thrown in prison. Therefore, there arose a debate between John's disciples and a Jew about purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who is with you beyond the Jordan, to whom you have borne witness, behold, he is baptizing and all are coming to him. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing unless it has been given him from heaven. You yourselves are my witnesses that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent ahead of him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. So this joy of mine has been made full. He must increase, but I must decrease. He who comes from above is above all, and he who is of the earth is from the earth and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. What he has seen and heard, of that he bears witness, and no one receives his witness. He who has received his witness has set his seal to this, that God is true. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God. For he gives the Spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. He who believes in the Son has eternal life, but he who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. This is the word of God. Now the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried, he descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now the collect for grace. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, Almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day. Defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings may be ordered by thy governance, to do always that is righteous in thy sight, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. All right. 
So the question is, is there a red wave? When we wake up two weeks from today, what will we see as the results of the 2022 midterm election? Will the Democrats retain control of Congress? Or will Congress have passed to Republican control? It would seem, all of the indicators would seem to be saying that indeed the Republicans will be controlling Congress, at least the House, possibly the Senate as well, a week from today, or two weeks from today. That's certainly my hope. Knowing that political parties are not going to save America, um, and that neither political party being in power is going to halt the moral decline. But our prayer is that the land would be peaceful and prosperous so that we would be free to share the gospel and to worship God. And so we, we, we pray for a peaceful and prosperous America as opposed to a uh, unprosperous America, which is what we're seeing right now. Um, economists are arguing whether or not we're in a recession. We're in a recession. All of the historic indicators, you know, we've had more than two, two quarters of consecutive negative growth in the economy. The, the economy has gotten smaller, not greater, in the last two quarters. And that has historically always been the um, indicator of a recession. And as much as the liberal media and um, the Democrat Party want to try to um, redefine what a recession is, <laughs> by historic measures, we're in one. Um, and I still remember Ronald Reagan's wonderful line during the 1980 campaign. He said, a recession is when your neighbor loses his job. A depression is when you lose your job. And a recovery is when Jimmy Carter loses his job. And as the 2022 midterm elections are drawing to a close, and as we are preparing for the 2024 uh, presidential election, I am praying for God to raise up a Ronald Reagan. And I don't know who that's going to be. Now, seriously, for 2024, I think Trump is going to run. I think if Trump runs, he will get the nomination. And if Trump gets the nomination, I firmly believe he will be president. And looking at his performance from 2016 to 2020, I'm happy with that. Um, I didn't vote for him in 2016. I did vote for him in 2020 because he showed that he would keep his promises. Um, but at the same time, Donald Trump is not Ronald Reagan. And I, I had said several times during Trump's presidency that if he just had one-tenth the eloquence and political savvy of Ronald Reagan, um, it would have been a completely different picture. But at the same time, I remember that the establishment conservatives, the establishment Republicans, because they're not conservative, the establishment Republicans didn't like Reagan either, just like they didn't like Trump. But Reagan was much, was, was, he just, Reagan was special. Reagan was special. And I would love to have another Ronald Reagan. I don't know that we will ever see that. But Reagan was special. Um, 
And and so he was able to, even though his own party was not for him, he was able to work through. And of course, the the thing was that the Republicans were not in power. Everything that Reagan got done in Congress, he had to use Democrats to do it. And the fact that so many Democrats had voted for him for president enabled him to put pressure on Democrat congresspeople, uh, representatives and senators, because people in their districts liked Reagan. So they voted with Reagan under pressure from home. And so he was able to use his rapport with the American people to pressure a Democrat-controlled House and a Democrat-controlled Senate to pass some of, not all of, but some of his agenda. In 1980, when he ran, one of the things that he ran on, um, when Jimmy Carter took office in 1977, there was one cabinet position, the Department of um, Health, Education, and Welfare. It was one cabinet position. And under Jimmy Carter, they split that into two so that we have now a Department of Health and a Department of Education. One of Ronald Reagan's campaign goals when he ran in 1980 was to abolish the Department of Education. It was not then, nor is it now, popular with conservatives. And I think in the last couple of years, we've seen that. What we're seeing in the Democrat, in the liberal control of all of these government departments, this push for just utter depravity, the push of the transgender edition, uh, edition, a transgender agenda into our schools, the, the mutilation of children not only being allowed but being advocated for by our government, the Department of Education pushing the LBGT stuff into our grade schools and and all of that that's what comes from government control of these institutions honestly schools should be controlled by local school boards period end of sentence and and that would change a great deal of things because you know if school boards controlled local schools you wouldn't have these huge pushes of stuff from the federal level. Um, and so, you know, Reagan was against the Department of Education. His efforts to, to uh, abolish the Department of Education were stopped by Republicans, not by Democrats. Um, he had enough Democrat support that he could have pushed that through, but establishment Republicans stopped it because they looked at, and, and many, many career politicians, the establishment people, both sides, you know, in, in a lot of ways, the establishment Republicans and the establishment Democrats are two sides of the same coin. They promote governmental power for their own empowerment and enrichment. And the mechanism by which they do this is the bureaucracy. Because, you know, we've talked about the deep state and, and how Trump really, really exposed the deep state. Well, um, the deep state is the bureaucrats that don't change when elections happen. Many of the congressional staffers who work for one congressman 
if that congressman fails in his re-election, they will find a job with another congressman promoting the same ideology and the same uh, positions. And then all of the bureaucrats, all of the people in all of these cabinet departments, they may get a new secretary, they may get a new undersecretary, but all the people in the cubicles stay the same so that their ideas stay the same. And they will drag their feet about implementing things that they do not like, and they will drag their feet about stopping the implementation of things that they do like, depending on who's in the cabinet office. Um, this is why there needs to be a serious house cleaning. Um, the next president needs to pretty much fire everybody in all the federal government agencies and then go through a hiring process and rehire people and hire new people based on, you know, are they going to do their job? Or are they going to do what they think their job is? Are they going to do what, they, what they're told? Or are they going to do what they want? Because um, a lot of them are making policy decisions that's way above their pay grade. Things that should be made at the at the executive level is being made at much lower levels. And again, you know, whoever's at the top doesn't change what they're doing at the bottom. The other thing about if we got rid of the um, Department of Education, you know, that would severely curtail the influence of the teachers' unions. And teachers' unions are not our friend. They are not the friend of our children. So as the midterm elections are approaching, what is the reaction of the left's message among the American people? There was an article on, on uh, um, BizPack Review that either yesterday or today, actually it looks like it's dated today, says that as the midterm elections approach with only two weeks to go, Democrats are frantically trying to get their message across on abortion, gender madness, grotesque spending, here and even more so abroad, not to mention ignoring the border crisis, championing the sexualization of children, and justifying crippling inflation as a means of greater end. But it seems the average American has no interest in the snake oil they're selling and it surely is the oil of snakes. Well, obviously, this is a uh, <laughs> um, coming from a conservative point of view. And BizPack Review is a conservative site. Um, the article continues and says, Fox News' Jesse Waters brought that observation forward on Monday's Jesse Waters primetime. And if a recent focus group that aired on CBS's Face the Nation over the weekend is a barometer Normal Americans have a lot more in common than what Democrats would have them believe. Of course, this requires that the predatory element of society, namely criminals and tyrants in position of power, are removed from the equation. President Biden is certainly out of touch with the American people and often with reality as well, but he did the hard work of a president, a president must do by sitting down at the White House recently with a man who thinks he's a girl to discuss the importance of mutilating children. Yes, this is a very biased article, but it is interesting. And so, uh, Jesse Waters said, Biden spent more time talking with transgender or transsexual activist Dylan than he spent at the border. Than he spent at the border. Biden won't meet Elon Musk, the guy who's making all of his electric cars, but he'll meet with Dylan. The Democrats' message going into the midterms, it just, he says, you know, he talks about our State Department gave Ecuador $20,000 to put on drag shows. So, and uh, then... Does the Biden administration, I'm skipping down, this is still Jesse Waters, a quote from Jesse Waters. Does the Biden administration even know that American students can't do math anymore? 
We just saw the biggest drop of all time in math scores for fourth through eighth graders across the country. The Democrats closed the schools down and told all the students they were racists who needed sex changes. I wonder why they're failing algebra. It's almost like they want our children dumb and guilty and confused. It's easier to lie to them and load them up with debt that way. This is so true. So, but in the, uh, you know, how do the Democrats feel about this? Or how do the, the American people feel about this? And so I, I pulled up this morning real clear politics on the latest polls coming into um, into the, the election last week and next week. The 2022 generic congressional vote held by the Democrat core put Republicans ahead 0.2. Politico put Democrats ahead 0.5, um, just in general. But when we look at the, the Florida Senate of Rubio versus Demings, Rubio's up plus 11. Look at the Florida governor race, DeSantis versus Chris, DeSantis is up 14. Um, so... Uh, Texas governor race, Abbott versus O'Rourke, Abbott's up four. Um, and and these, these, these polls, we have to remember, are typically skewed Democrat. So the fact that they're showing all these Republicans up, um, Georgia governor Kemp versus Abrams, the Daily Wire Trafalgar poll says Kemp is up seven. Um, the East Carolina University poll puts Kemp up seven. Um, and in the Georgia Senate, uh, Warnick versus Warner, or Walker versus Warner, um, Herschel Walker is down 0.2. That was yesterday's poll. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that works out because I think I think Herschel Walker is going to win that. Um, so plus two is is kind of tough. So, but looking at the polls. Like on Monday, they had Oz versus Fetterman. The CNN poll had Fetterman up five. That was before last night's debate. Now, honestly, Dr. Oz would not be my choice for senator, but I'd vote for him over Fetterman. And not because Fetterman had a stroke and is having trouble communicating. I would vote for him over Fetterman because of their policies. And because I would rather see the Republicans in control of the Senate. And for that reason, I would support a senator. Now, we don't have a Senate race this cycle in Montana. Um, and I can't wait for John Tester to come up again so I can vote against him again. Um, and it saddens me that Montana keeps sending him to the Senate. Um, yeah, just and and a lot of it, I think, has to do with the Republican establishment candidates that we have run against these Democrats in many areas, just like the Republican establishment candidates that we've run for president. Um, you know, looking back before Trump, you know, when we had Romney. And we had McCain. These guys are not conservatives. They're establishment Republicans. We need to get conservatives into those um, positions because we need conservatives in, in government. So we need to, you know, very much vote conservative in the primaries and ignore the establishment Republicans because they have not done anything for us. You know, like I said, they opposed Ronald Reagan. They opposed Trump. They worked against him. Donald Trump had a majority in Congress his first two years and couldn't get stuff passed, primarily thanks to House Speaker Paul, or uh, was it Paul Ryan? 
whoever it was. I can't remember. Was it Paul Ryan? Who was the Speaker of the House? Anyway, he was horrible. He was an establishment guy. Would not work with President Trump. And we need less people like that in Congress. We need to have conservatives in Congress. And that will help the country. But looking at the polls, yeah, I see the red wave coming. I really do. So we'll, two weeks will tell. We'll see. But uh, you know, I pray that God will have mercy on our nation and that much of this leftist agenda would be halted by this time next week because we really need to do that. Um, like I said, it's not going to stop the moral decline, but it'll help. Um, it will certainly stop it in some sense because we'll have less public support for transgenderism and the mutilation of children and all of that. Um, but we need to, normal people, this is the thing, normal people, rank-and-file Americans, need to step up and say no more. Your local library is having a drag queen story hour. Quit using your local library entirely. Your local school district is pushing a transgender agenda. Get your kids out of the public school. Speak out. Write letters to the editor. Run for the school board. There's all sorts of things that normal everyday people can do. And quite frankly, none of this stuff would be happening if we didn't, if the majority of Americans didn't sit by and let it happen. I'm not talking about riots in the streets. I'm not talking about even massive protest gatherings. I'm talking about letters to editor, letters to the Congress, how you vote, how you spend your money, what the things you can do, you know, without, you know, I'm not asking everyone to, to be some, some activist marching in the streets, but quit supporting these things, you know. Let your library know. Vote against funding when it comes up because they, they keep doing this stuff. You know, run for city council and cut their budget because they keep doing this stuff. You know, and say, no, we're not going to support this. And, and let them know that we're not going to support it. Stop supporting it. That's how you stop it. Cut, cut the school budgets. As long as you're having, you know, transvestites, you know, boys playing girls' sports, boys in a skirt playing girls' sports, cut the funding. Just don't let them do it, you know. See what happens. Now, is it going to be easy? Would there be screaming? Would there be jumping up and down? Oh, yeah. But you know what? We've stood by long enough and let this stuff happen. And we need to faithfully proclaim the gospel. We need to faithfully proclaim God's morality, man's sinfulness, God's holiness, his righteousness, his judgment to come, and the fact that all of us are sinners, excuse me, in need of redemption. And that he did indeed send a Redeemer who died on the cross and rose again the third day to pay for our sins. Yeah. You must be born again. Believe on the Son of God and be saved. We just read John 3. Go back and read it again. All right, folks, that's Squirrel Chatter for Wednesday. We got Theology Thursday coming up tomorrow. We got Federalist Friday coming up on Friday, and then the weekend. We are halfway through the week. Have a most wonderful Wednesday. Remember, please, to do the things you ought to do. Don't do the things you ought not to. And whatever you do, do it for the glory of the Lord. We'll see you again here tomorrow for another episode of Squirrel Chatter. Take care. God bless.
Squirrel Chatter is recorded in front of a live studio hamster.